three, two, one. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Anyone Can Run podcast. The podcast for those brand new to running who want to make sure they begin their journey on the road to Gainesville on the right foot. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the QuakeCon veteran, and I am an NCCA certified personal trainer who specializes in playing games, making gains, and helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This is the podcast where we cover nutrition, training, running gear, everything you need to know about what it takes to complete your first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. In a past episode, we've covered marathon nutrition, including what I eat and why in the days leading up to a race and actually during a half or full marathon. We've discussed calories and macros and all that a little bit, but today I want to do something a little different. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times. I'm not a certified nutritionist, nor am I a dietitian, so I'm not here to build customized eating plans for anyone. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's people who don't know what they're talking about or have no formal training peddling wares to try and make a buck. It's the whole dang reason I went out and obtained my personal training certification. That being said, every human being needs to consume calories in order to function. And every single client I've worked with and every person who's ever swung by the Twitch gym who wants to discuss working out or living a healthy and fit lifestyle wants to discuss eating habits. And I think that's a fantastic and worthwhile conversation to have. On today's episode, we're going to dive deep into the mental approach to food. As just as running a marathon is a Herculean task from a mental standpoint, so too can be changing your eating habits to be better suited to your journey on the road to Gainesville. We're going to cover convenience, nutritional goals, financial value, and the emotional component of food at length, as these are all integral components of a healthy and fit person's relationship with eating. First off, Anyone Can Run is a podcast intended for new runners who want to complete their first race, so I'd reckon it makes the most sense we kick things off by discussing goal setting, specifically as it pertains to food. However, even before getting to goals, I think it's important to be pragmatic about when and where you eat most of your meals. When we think about food, there are a plethora of factors that impact both our waistlines and wallets. Goals, convenience, time, culinary skill, and if you take the entire eating process from start to finish, it can get a little overwhelming. We've all seen influencers and fitness people shelling out cookbooks, which purport to get you shredded in 30 days or whatever. But when discussing food, I'd reckon it's important to view everything from where your meal originates from to how it's going to be prepared to when and where you're going to consume it. So we're going to focus today on what I consider to be the three stages of eating, planning, preparation, and consumption. Now, before your eyes start to glaze over and you start thinking, oh my God, True Bros is going to help on that organic farm to table train or whatever, which I mean, is pretty good. No, no, no. I'm not talking about where each ingredient in your meal is sourced from. I mean, where your food is literally coming from. As far as planning is concerned, are you buying ingredients and or prepared foods from a grocery store? Are you swinging by a fast food place during your lunch break or on your way home? Is dinner being delivered via an app or service? This might seem like a little bit of a stretch, but bear with me here. When you get into the office or the gym, you have an idea of what things need to get done in a specific order. You kick things off by checking email, making calls, whatever. But when it comes to food, the one thing that every single human being needs to do in order to function and just exist, I find many people leave it as an afterthought. Maybe you plan where your lunch is going to be if you're on campus or in an office away from home all day, but I've worked with plenty of clients who have children and have a long commute, so time is at a premium. And as a result, dinner or breakfast and any other meals are centered around convenience. 
This is what I mean when I say the entire eating experience. From where your food is originating from to when and where you're going to consume it is something you should at least be cognizant of when planning your meals for the week or the day or however you approach it. That being said, if Sunday night rolls around and the kitchen is bare and you've got to wash clothes and run errands and do 70 other things and you start to think about what you or your spouse or your kids are going to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner over the next three days, it can get daunting and overwhelming. So we certainly don't want to overthink things. As a personal trainer, it's my goal whenever I begin working with a client to find the method of learning and motivation they respond to best. This is a trait which is useful not only in the gym, but in all walks of life. If you're the kind of person who is money motivated, and if you don't need to be, it must be pretty dang nice, you can certainly frame the way you approach food from a financial perspective. If your goal is to minimize cost, you know what you've got to do. Meal prep a couple times a week to ensure you've delicious and nutritious meals at your disposal. I absolutely can't stand being in the kitchen, but when it comes to my approach to food, I've only got two goals, minimize cost and not wreck my gain sessions. I also dedicated a few hours about three years ago to popping easy recipes for ground meat and chicken into the Google machine, trying things out and seeing what worked and what didn't for my taste buds and culinary skill level. I've worked in corporate offices for a number of years, and something that gets discussed all the time is value, time value, financial value, so on and so forth. Y'all know, I said I tend to be very money and nutrition driven when it comes to my food choices, but sometimes being worn out will supersede those focuses. When it comes to value as it relates to food, over the years I frame my food choices as a cost per meal basis. Something I don't want to do is dive too deep into the weeds on any one topic during today's episode, but this is something I do regularly. Truth be told, purchasing 4 pounds of organic chicken and vegetable stock became a go-to of mine strictly because it lowered my cost per meal significantly, and as a result, this pushed my money-driven self to focus on meal prepping regularly. However, it's important to know both your personality and end goals when it comes to your approach to food, and that's why we're discussing convenience first. It's very easy for me or anyone else to say, meal prepping is the answer to your nutritional goals. And while that very may well be the case, if you absolutely detest being in the kitchen and use it for little more than storage, then hearing that will go in one ear and out the other. We're all creatures of comfort, and at the end of the day, we all have different goals. While minimizing cost is something I prioritize over pretty much everything else, that may not be the case for everyone. Last week, we discussed at length figuring out what drives and motivates you to begin running, to set goals and so on, and it's important to do the same when it comes to food. Let's say you work full-time, work out in the morning, and are willing to begin cooking to both minimize cost and maximize gains. You get home after a long day of work, start to take out pots and pans, pull up a YouTube video on the phone for a recipe that sounds pretty good, and then you realize you're missing a couple crucial ingredients. So you end up picking something up from the drive-thru that's quick and easy. Sound familiar? If not, you're probably a tougher person than I am, because I feel like we've all succumbed to the allure of convenience, especially when it comes to food at some point. I sure know I have. I've read all types of literature when it comes to cooking, which range from you need to meal prep to you should be able to whip up a meal with whatever is in your fridge, and all of it can be sound advice for the right audience. But to me, it's all very specific and targeted towards getting me to buy something, as opposed to solidifying a specific train of thought. I want you to be able to find what method of thinking about food is going to be the most helpful for you, while considering the entire eating process from start to finish. Emphasizing convenience when you've got a thousand different things vying for your attention is not the worst thing in the world. Hell, there have been plenty of times I've gone and picked up something from a fast food place despite having a couple different meals prepped in my fridge and reserve snacks in the freezer because I was mentally drained or just wanted something that hadn't been prepared by me. 
We touched on this a little bit during our marathon eating episode, but whenever I know I'm going to stop and pick up something to eat, I always take a couple minutes to pull up the nutritional information for Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A or whatever fast food place I'm going to be stopping at. This encourages me to make healthy choices while swinging through the drive-thru, although there I can admit there have been more than a few times where I still get something super unhealthy. Regardless, when I know my meal is going to be coming from a drive-thru, I can make an informed and hopefully healthy decision with what I'm ordering. Like we discussed earlier, I'd hazard a guess the planning portion of eating is all too often overlooked, but if you just think about where your meals for the week or day or even just your next meal is coming from, you're setting yourself up for success. I'm not saying you need to think about this for hours at a time. It really only takes a few seconds. Goal setting should be an integral part of both the planning and preparation phase of the eating process. As new runners who want to complete their first race in the upright position, our goal should be something along the lines of fueling efficiently and comfortably for our workouts. But we've got to be a little more concrete when it comes to goal setting. Common goals I hear from clients are wanting to lose X amount of weight, eat a certain number of calories per day, wanting to increase strength, or put on X pounds of muscle. There's nothing wrong with setting concrete goals when it comes to losing weight or increasing strength, but we can't fail to recognize that food is an essential part of reaching these goals. Food fuels our metabolism, workouts, and, you know, enables us to live, which is pretty dang important. It's very easy to say something like, I need to eat better, but what does that really entail? Does it mean caloric monitoring and or restriction? If you're a numbers-oriented person, this can be pretty dang beneficial. Apps like MyFitnessPal make tracking your calories and macronutrients a breeze, not just with foods you purchase at the grocery store, but with food you get from fast food or table service restaurants. Don't forget, most dining establishments have the nutritional information for the menus readily available online. If one of your goals is to lose weight, tracking your calories can be a fantastic method to do so, but you need to ensure the goals you're setting for yourself are realistic and attainable. It can be very beneficial to set goals to help you stay focused and motivated on the task at hand. But if your goals aren't pragmatic, then you're just setting yourself up for failure, and that's frivolous. If you have a long-term goal to lose 50 pounds, then setting short-term goals of losing a pound or two a week, obviously depending upon your individual body, isn't too far of a stretch. Additionally, setting even more goals, such as staying under 1,800 calories a day, can help you stay motivated, and using apps like those we discussed can add in a bit of a gamification aspect, which is something I'm all about. If your goal is to get faster, stronger, and leaner, and maybe you're totally averse to the concept of tracking calories, then you can instead focus on how you feel before, after, and during each of your workouts. There was a period where I had some dental work done and as a result, couldn't really chew for about a week. I decided to use that week as a jumping off point to try going vegan for a month and I have to admit, I've never felt so physically solid in my life. No stomach issues at all, I just felt light and strong. But then when the month was up, I obviously needed my Taco Bell fix, so being vegan went out the window. The point is, it's beneficial to set goals that are pertinent to you and attainable, and a mixture of short-term and long-term goals can help you not only on your road to Gainesville and in your work, but when it comes to how and when we eat food. We've been discussing the entire eating process, so let's quickly recap the first stage. Planning where our meals are going to physically come from is important, as it allows us to take into consideration convenience, our nutritional goals, and financial value. Moving on to the second stage, preparation is much more straightforward. If you're going to be picking up food from a fast food place or visiting a restaurant, the only preparation required is to show up and whip out your cash money. Same thing goes if you pick up all your meals from a meal prep delivery service. All you really need to do is show up, pick up your meals, and pop them in the microwave or oven or whatever. 
However, if you want to have total control of your nutrition and save some money, odds are you're going to be doing some cooking in the kitchen. And I find the preparation phase of eating to be the one where I struggled the most. Some people love being in the kitchen, combing through the fridge or pantry and whipping something up. I'm not one of those people. On more than one occasion, I've ordered Thanksgiving dinner from a grocery store and a restaurant just because I don't want to be bothered with the hassle of preparing multiple dishes. That being said, we've discussed how I spent some time looking up some YouTube videos, googling recipes, following them to a T, and then figuring out what works for me in terms of what I enjoy to eat and what warms up well enough if I'm eating it in the office or at home. I ended up investing in an Instant Pot, and it was one of the best decisions of my life, as apart from chopping up veggies or meats, the preparation required is minimal. I bring this up when it comes to preparation, because it's important to know if you're the type of person who wants to be creative in the kitchen, experimenting and trying different things, or if you're like me, liable to get dejected if things go wrong, so it's the best use of your time and effort if you adhere to a recipe letter by letter. As someone who can't stand being in the kitchen, I was amazed at how streamlined the Instant Pot makes prepping various dishes, so much so that I ended up posting multiple short videos to YouTube showing how easy it is to prepare things such as pulled pork, chili, and chicken. This isn't meant to be a shameless plug to YouTube. I upload pretty infrequently. Rather, it's meant to illustrate it really is easy to meal prep using the Instant Pot, and I tend to create content that I find to be direct and to the point, because I can't stand when people make podcasts that are hours long or YouTube videos that are 15 minutes when you could provide all the relevant information in a fraction of the time. A bit of a tangent there, but the goal is, as our relationship with food pertains to the preparation phase, do what you always do and set yourself up for success. Ensure you're emphasizing your personality type and what you derive utility doing. If that's cooking and experimenting, more power to you. If you don't want to be cooking at all but need to for financial or dietary reasons, spend some time popping cooking videos into your Google machine and find the easiest recipes that require a minimal amount of prep work, whether that's tossing something on a skillet, in the oven, or in a slow cooker or pressure cooker. When it comes to each step of the eating process, we want to adhere to our nutritional goals, stick within our budget, and if you're like me, emphasize convenience because I'd rather be playing games than cooking. Before we move on to the emotional component of food, let's discuss the consumption stage of the eating chain or sequence or whatever. I haven't come up with a name with it yet. I'm not here to tell you to chew your food or not eat in your car or anything like that. Today's episode is focused on how we think about food. I've read numerous pieces of literature over the years which say to think about food as fuel for your workouts and nothing more. While that's a very strict and efficient manner of thinking, I've never been able to separate the quote-unquote ritual of eating, whether it be as a midday break in the office or preparing dinner with my wife, from the nutritional and caloric benefits. I'm not fond of compartmentalizing things too frequently, so I view both the ritual of consuming and the nutritional benefits or detriments of eating as inextricably intertwined. I'm not trying to dive into the emotional component of eating just yet, but when it comes to physically consuming our food, some thoughts should be given as to where you're going to be eating and how much time you're going to have to do so. I personally don't find it realistic to say something to the effect of slow down and devote 30 minutes or whatever to each meal because I've had plenty of times where I was streaming for 10 hours a day, in meetings for 8 hours, or driving for hours on end, where the last thing I can set time aside for is eating. As long as you know there's a dedicated time of when and where you're going to be consuming your food, you can plan for what you can have in that time. If you've got 15 minutes to pop something in the microwave and then scarf it down, great. 
If you know literally the only time you're going to have is on the road or time in between meetings, pack some water and protein powder and shake it up so you can at least have something. If the only time you have is actually when you're working, whether it's in a meeting with a client or a parent-teacher conference or whatever, pack something like a protein bar and let whoever you're meeting with know you're in dire need of some food. Simply being cognizant of when and where you're going to be able to consume food is easy to do if you've dedicated a few seconds or minutes to the planning and preparation stages of the eating sequence. If you're fortunate enough to have time to dedicate to sitting down and eating, do yourself a favor and eat intelligently. Whether it's counting calories, portion control, emphasizing macronutrients, you want to find something that's going to jive best with your personality and not cause you to think or feel negatively, not only about yourself, but about the food you're going to be consuming, which is critical to living a healthy and fit lifestyle. We're healthy and fit people living on the road to Gainesville, and our goal should be to minimize the negativity or detractors in our mind so we can focus on being the best possible version of ourselves. I don't see any value in thinking about what we shouldn't eat or things we should only have a taste of. I personally view thought processes similar to these as negative and counterintuitive to a positive and driven mindset. As we've just touched on some of the stigmas we've all heard someone say before, like, oh, I can't eat that. Now's as good a time as ever to jump into the emotional component of food. It may sound weird to hear me continually refer to our quote-unquote relationship with food as it's an inanimate object, but come on, how many of us have fond memories of a specific dish from our childhood cooked by a family member who means the world to us, or dreamed of dining at a popular restaurant on a date or to meet up with friends? While there's undoubtedly a social aspect to food, it's important to not forget the emotional aspect as well. It's true, not everyone responds to specific stimuli by having a drink or gorging themselves on fast food when something goes wrong, but I'll readily confess I am one of those people. Case in point, a couple days before sitting down to record this episode, I got rejected from a job I was in the final stages in and was really hoping I'd get. I'm fortunate enough to have people who support me both IRL and on Twitch. However, all of this positive reinforcement serves as more of an annoyance than anything else given my personality quirks. I know I'm in such bad shape. When I received the news, I was actually streaming on Twitch, so I had a conversation and discussed the topic with those who were present in the Twitch gym. When my lovely wife got home that evening, I had way too much food. We're talking multiple hot dogs, chicken nuggets, and homemade Taco Bell tacos, along with some sangria, vodka, and tons of other bad junk. As you can imagine, as someone who typically only consumes around 1,900 calories a day, this was an emotional reaction, and it's a well I've gone to sporadically over the years increasing in frequency more recently as I deal with the anxiety of a job search. Now let's cover a couple things. I'm no therapist, medical, or mental health professional, but it doesn't take a genius to figure out this is not the healthiest behavior. While I'm cognizant of this, it doesn't make it any easier to deal with. I've worked with clients who do something similar, and fortunately, because they've sought me out to get some assistance on their rope to Gainesville, we've worked on replacing this action with something physical, such as yoga stretches, running, push-ups, so on and so forth. I found for some people I've worked with, simply being made aware this behavior is taking place has proved beneficial and they're able to adapt. For myself, simply being cognizant of this fact isn't much of a deterrent. The next time I'm feeling like gorging myself, I plan to do a healthy amount of cooking in order to mentally focus on an activity, still food-related naturally, however, one that contributes to my meal prep so I can at least not wreck all the work I've been putting in on the road to Gainesville. Needless to say, this requires some additional planning and preparation on my personal eating sequence. However, I've always some meats and vegetables I can prepare on hand, so I don't foresee this being too much of an issue. 
I bring this up and use myself as an example to show even though I'm a certified personal trainer who is ready to run a marathon at a moment's notice, I still struggle with my emotional connection to food. Again, I'm not trying to play therapist here or tell you what you need to do. I'm trying to get you to find out what's most efficient for your personality while trying to give pragmatic advice. In my estimation, that doesn't necessarily equate to providing direct, hard and fast answers to a specific question or problem. Sometimes, it's beneficial to facilitate a conversation about a specific topic, especially as something as personal as the way we think about food. What we don't want as new runners whose goal is to be healthy and fit people is to have an antagonistic relationship with something as critical to our success and as common as food. We focus on mental strength and cultivating a strong and positive mindset here because running a marathon is a trying mental and physical task. Additionally, I've emphasized over our episodes how the greatest thing I've learned from running a race and what put me on the straight and narrow on the road to Gainesville was the realization I could do something if I dedicated the appropriate amount of time and effort to it. A marathon training cycle is one of the most positive learning experiences a new runner can undergo, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. Using the knowledge gained over this, especially as it pertains to the way we think about food, can serve as a fantastic tool when implementing a fundamental lifestyle change, which changing eating habits absolutely is. I personally never think of the way I eat, whether it's the way I always have or when incorporating something new, as a diet or anything that could be construed in my own head as temporary or contentious. Every time I try something new, I attempt to be cognizant of how this fits into my typical sequence of eating and perhaps more importantly, how it makes me physically feel not only while running, but while I'm out living my everyday life. If something makes me feel sluggish or heavy, not only when I'm lifting weights, but when I'm sitting around binge-watching Attack on Titan, then it's something I know I need to minimize my intake of or perhaps eliminate entirely. Being aware of how our eating sequence throughout the course of a day, from planning to preparation to consumption, as well as being aware of our emotional connection to food and how it makes us feel, is an integral part of living a healthy and fit lifestyle and can serve as very practical and useful knowledge over the course of our journey on the road to Gainesville. I appreciate you spending some time with me today, and I hope you're seeing what I see, that truly anyone can run. We drop a new episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast every Monday in case you're in need of that Monday motivation. If you've ever got questions or ideas for a topic you'd like covered in a future episode, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at AnyoneCanRunPod. We also currently open the Twitch gym, located at twitch.tv slash truebroslive, weekdays from 12 to 6 central time, so be sure to follow and turn on notifications if you ever want to talk running or anything else with me in real time or show a little support for the gains of Twitch. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast, and if you did, you can rate, review, like, share, and subscribe. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for, and regardless, I look forward to seeing you on the road to Gainesville.